0: Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is another Tears podcast with Matt Moore of the Action Network, and as always, it is a very interesting criteria, one that is distinctly different from best and worst teams, and I really enjoy doing it. And get into a lot of topics. This one is a little bit shorter due to Matt and my holiday obligations, but still plenty of great context here. We're getting some really interesting stats and insights from various different teams, but try to try to get at least a little bit into everybody. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Go to rocketmoney.com slash real to check it out. I'll tell you more about it in a little bit. And betonline.ag, use the CLNS50 promo code to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit episode runs a little bit under an hour, but there's a lot of great stuff in here and I hope you really enjoy it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. One of my favorite
1: pause to do every couple of weeks that we do them.
0: Absolutely. And as usual, you pick the criteria and I really like this one in part because we're not ranking for best to worst. This is a more nuanced conversation.
1: Yeah. So we're doing tiers and this time what we're going to do is we're going to do teams with the most runway ahead of them. Uh, so that means, you know, who's set to improve the most between now and the end of the season? If you're going to get worse, you go to the bottom and if you're going to maintain you kind of go in the middle and so this way like the teams that are most consistent and just kind of are who they are kind of going to be in the middle and then the top of it really kind of is you know what teams have the most upside relative to how they started the season
0: i interpreted this as more in relation to how they've played over the season so far rather than the last couple weeks just because that got a little hard to parse and player availability yeah. and all that and i'll say at the outset a couple of big things that i considered one is player availability you know if you've been missing a lot of de- players then that'll factor in no guarantee they'll be healthy the rest of the way. And if you've been really healthy, then, you know, that generally speaking, the pendulum will swing the other way, no guarantees. And then the other one is just a really basic thing. is just opponent shooting luck. So if a team has been extraordinarily lucky or unlucky in terms of opponent shooting, generally speaking, you expect that to progress to the mean one way or the other. And I'll talk about those teams when we get there. And I will say one other thing at the outset and kind of the intro of this. Uh, Mark Stein wrote about this earlier today kind of to some extent is that I think there will be sellers outside of the bottom bottom teams but I don't exactly know who they are especially with the motivations of teams like the Wizards and everybody else so I didn't project as much of that as you might have but we'll talk about that when we get there
1: yeah I think it's always difficult with trades because there's kind of this like oh well they got to do a deal and then it's like well no they didn't you know I think there's been this idea the Hawks are going to make a deal for two years and they haven't done it and it may be reaching a boiling point but we don't really know how that's going to turn out I think trying to understand the mechanics of the trade market uh, is always really difficult
0: it is and so i only had three teams in my tier one which i said lots of room to improve so there's those are teams that i expect to play meaningfully better than they have right now and i think it's interesting because it's a group that you know obviously it's not the best of the best because then they don't have a lot of room to improve. And so it's two teams that have been more towards the middle that I think are better than that. And then one team that has been at the bottom, and I think they're better than that. And so the two teams in the kind of the more middle group, the Clippers are now 19 and 14, but they do still have a negative net rating. And I mean, they've been very good when Kawhi Leonard has been available. I think they're 10 and two now. I I don't necessarily say they're like one of the two best teams in the West, like record-wise or anything like that, but they'll be better. And then the other with that group is the Miami Heat, where a big Mm. part of what is drafted them down is player availability like with when jimmy butler has been on the floor their offense has been good when Tower hero has been available they've been passable and when both of those guys have been off the floor they've been an absolute disaster offensively and so my hope and expectation is that they'll play more.
1: I think it's reasonable I, th- I think it's reasonable to kind of expect a little bit of regression there especially look the heat have the second worst differential between expected uh field, expected effective field goal percentage and actual and i think that that kind of factors in as we talk about this i have a hard time with miami um sure. I have them lower. I have them lower. And the issue is basically the defense is still good. It is following the pattern of a couple of teams that I have put them with over the last three four years like the Raptors and the Celtics because they were similar. They had hyper versatile sets of um, sets of defenders. They had a lot of positional flexibility. They had pieces they could insert or remove depending on the matchup that was called for. They played a healthy amount of zone. They played a healthy amount of switch. And they really been dominant in terms of, of defensive efficiency over the last couple of years. We've seen those teams really struggle in the early parts of the season. Um, overall scoring is up versus zone and switch defenses which I think is very interesting from a, a macro level on a micro level on these teams I, I think it's likely that they regress a little bit defensively the question really with with Miami is what do you think about their offense like that that has to be the starting question because based off of shooter quality which can be a little messy they are uh, the second worst in terms of that differential if we look at just like the average locations that they find it's a little bit more like well they're bad and behind the schedule but not necessarily to such a high Degree that you're super concerned about it, and also they just they don't create really great looks either. Um, I, I'm very much in the in the middle place on Miami, so we'll we'll talk about where I have them a little bit later on.
0: Sure, the last team that I had in the top tier, which is more of an aggressive swing. But the Charlotte Hornets have been the second worst team probably in the league so far this year. They've been been more competitive during this stretch. More competitive does not mean good. They've had a stretch where they lost like eight or nine in a row. But they lost a couple of those by like four. I think that the idea that they are, especially with LaMelo hopefully playing more, that they are one of the like three or four worst teams in the league is overstating things a bit. Like they Hmm. have a negative, cleaning the glass, negative 7.7 differential. If you think that they're more like a negative three or a negative four team, That's actually one of the biggest shifts that would happen in the league based, you know, unless they're doing that. But then the the reason why it's a bigger swing is that Charlotte, there are plenty of reasons for them to stay bad. And like the idea that they, you know, getting maximizing the odds of the lottery and they have all these players that are like, could kind of help other teams that are on expiring contracts that they might not bring back like Oubre and Mason Plumley. And it's like, they should trade all of those guys, but I don't know if Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan want to do that. So I'm, I'm putting them here and fully ready to feel intense stupid two, three weeks from now.
1: Yeah, so I have a bet on them to have the worst record in the NBA. Totally <laughs> reasonable, season. even with what and, I just said. <laughs> and so this isn't necessarily confirmation bias on my part. Um, so I have a, my power rating, which is what I use for, for kind of betting and, and determine team strength across the league. I have them as the second worst team, and I have them at a number that is quite frankly disgusting compared to an, an average team. And that makes sense because the numbers that I use to project this are based off of uh, playset set type. So half court transition and then like the miscellaneous random um, possessions that are thrown into every game. The Hornets are bottom five in half court offense, half court defense and transition offense. They're only saving grace is they are 16th in transition defense. Otherwise they would probably be worse than the San Antonio Spurs. Um,
0: Do you think they'll, those will hold when Lamelo plays a higher portion I, of their games? Like, I mean, it hasn't I, been amazing.
1: So here's a good example. I, I watched him the other night uh, versus the nuggets. And, and here's kind of the deal. I was skeptical of, skeptical of Lamelo when he was a prospect. I saw him as a rookie and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, this is really great. Like, look at the passing skill and like, look at all the, all the things that he can do and and the shooting and then last year was an opportunity for them to kind of they weren't all in right like they got they got worse last year I think in terms of the roster but there were pieces there and they were having success as a team early on but when you watch LaMelo you weren't ever like really struck with the fact that like he was contributing a lot he had a great game in Denver I think he scored like 30 27 or more and yet like I never really felt like he was impactful I never really felt like Denver needed to be scared of LaMelo and so again I have a hard time kind of like getting the idea that he's a player that's going to raise this team's floor. He might be a team that raises the ceiling for a more talented team when they get those pieces. But with the components that they have combined, and you know, we talked about the, how you don't like to project out trades, I think for me it's more, they're going to reach a point where they have to decide is this going to happen this year or not. And I kind of think they're going to get to a point where they're like, it's not going to happen. We get a, we have to transition. And even if they don't make necessarily trade moves, I think it's likely that they go in the other direction and, and move for, for draft positioning. So it it's, this, this is This is already a really interesting exercise because you have them in your top tier and I have them in my bottom. Yes! Um, Um, My bottom tier is labeled the fall is going to kill you, Butch. (laughs) <laughs> Which is after uh, Butch Cassie and the Sundance that's Kid, where he says, oh, "We can't jump. I'm afraid of drowning." And he says, "Are you crazy? The fall is going to kill you." Uh, that's exactly how I feel about the Hornets, where it's like, "Yeah, look, you you know all these different things about, but your just team isn't good enough. Like your team's just, not. and I think that the uh, the uh, projector, the trajectory of how their team is going is probably going to weigh them down." Um, I have a much larger and wider uh, and different top tier. Nice. So cleared for takeoff is is the top tier. These teams Teams are the ones that I think have the most runway ahead of them. Uh, it's six teams the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Bucks. The Sixers, the Magic, and the Mavericks. Those are the six teams that I chose from that direction. And um, we can talk about the, maybe the, the, the worst one of that team, of that group first, and the Orlando Magic. Friday will be the first time that they'll be able to actually play the starting unit as God intended of Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Paolo Banqueiro, and Wendell Carter Jr. We've seen combinations of those players already be successful. We've seen combinations of those players already have better to closer to even net ratings than uh, the rest of the bench units and the, and the mixed matches that they wind up running into. So when I look at the at their early performance, I just kept going, God, they need a point guard. They just, they need a point guard so bad. Any point guard would do. And then they get Markel back and then WCJ goes down and I go, man, they need a center. They just need any center. Any center will do, you know, because I think Bomba's actually played pretty well, but they need more. And so for me, the combination of talent that they have, what they've shown, I think Jamal Mosley's defensive, intens- like his coaching, the scheme the things that he wants them to do, I think they're headed in that direction. And so while I don't think this is going to be a good team, I don't think this is going to be an average team. I think that they are definitely trending towards being – a not tankable squad by the end of the season which is kind of where I had them preseason I think they're on track to ramp up dramatically from what they were the first couple weeks of the season which was one of the worst teams in the league to being very much in the Wizards-esque kind of area uh, as far as the overall team performance.
0: There's a parallel between what the Magic Hope will happen the next couple weeks to what happened to the Nets about a month ago where they finally reached the level where they could play NBA caliber players for close to 48 minutes a game at every position, and like that, I think, is what really coincided with the Nets taking off. I mean, there's other stuff, and you want to give credit all-around coaching staff players and all that, but the drag of playing either just players who aren't good enough or who just can't do the right things is so palpable in certain situations, and I think Orlando has been one of those over the course of the year, and I mean, some of that is you made a lot of bets on injured players, some of that is you're not pushing as much of a finish line, but I think it's going to make life a lot easier on Pelopon Caro and and everyone else, and a lot of those guys have done really well, so I'm excited to see what the surrounding talent does. Nate and I did the strategy stream on that game when they beat the Warriors in Orlando, and it was like, that was, that wasn't fully operational, but it was closer, and yeah, I agree with you there. One that I think is interesting to discuss, and the hardest team, or one of the hardest teams for me to place was Philly because you have these two those uh, forces that I was talking about in the intro running against each other so one of them is or like Philly's best players haven't played that much of the season Maxi's missed a ton of time Harden's missed time and beats missed time but they're also arguably I would say they're probably the second most lucky but maybe the single luckiest team in terms of opponent shooting Mm. and so if you square those two things my instinct is better players helps them more than regression of the mean in terms of shooting luck but I would be I'm interested in how those two things square
1: off that's interesting you know the second spectrum data is a, a little bit different um from the perspective of it thinks that the sixers are let's see fourth in terms of opponent uh performance over the average expectation because that's using
0: of, contested right like that uses yeah, how close the right are. how
1: close like where they're shooting from and what the contest level is when you factor in who the shooter is based off of their efg um they come out to uh let's see sixth worst um or in terms of the differential. Um, and so there's still kind of an indication here that it's probably going to regress like a little bit. What's, what's funny about all these numbers dude, Danny, and, and this is not going to surprise you. These numbers are so much different than they were last season or the year before, because all the shooting is higher. Right. Like everyone's just shooting so well. So it's like, yeah, you're just slightly worse than an average team shot is shooting or the average than what you'd expect. You're just slightly worse. And that's way below par for this point in the season. Um, with the Sixers, I think for a lot of me, it's not just the injury stuff. It, it's that, okay, they start off the season and they're just a mess. They're a mess on both ends. Embiid is out of shape, disinterested, not playing well. Uh, Harden takes over. The Harden gets hurt. Maxi takes over. And then Embiid kind of rounds into shape. And Embiid takes off and they become kind of this defensive juggernaut over the last couple of weeks. They've been great on the defensive end. Harden returns and you're like, that's going to compromise your defense a little bit. And it will. The question is, what will the net be, right? If you if you try and put like a quantitative value to the net rating on Harden, How much is that balanced out by the adjustment to the overall over the course of of not a game, but over the course of many games and hundreds of possessions? What does having James Harden look like? And the the results going to be positive. It may not be hugely positive, but it's going to be positive. Um, I think it's very interesting because like my power rating actually has them. I I was like shocked to see this. Like they're fourth Mm -hmm. on my power rating right now. Um, They are they look much, much better on paper than they do when we get into the idea of like, you know, producing trying to project them to win the title or be like an elite team like no one's really talking about them and, and you know I work in a betting space the market kind of reflects that where Embiid's value is very good right now relative to the kind of production that he's putting in um, you also kind of look at the uh, point differential stuff and they're they're about they're, they're basically roughly even to what they should be but then you kind of look at uh, that through the lens of how badly they started the season and the fact that they're third in defense but 16th in offense last two weeks they're seven in offense, third in defense. I kind of think that with the caveat that we're always waiting on Joel, but if Joel's healthy, I kind of think this team winds up closer to the top four and top three and maybe higher. I think they're live to actually push the Celtics for the division. Uh, I think this team is real, is much closer to what we thought they would be in preseason, or at least I did, uh, rather than, than what it looked like after the first two weeks of the season.
0: I love the point about a shaky start, because I do think that was really present with the Sixers, and they, they had some turnover, but also just kind of pieces. And, and Embiid's health going into the season—that's that's a really interesting point. I agree with a lot of the, a lot of the teams that you had in that group. That's why I point out the Sixers are, are are in my next group as well. Um, one thing I brought up shooting luck with the Sixers—it's also true with the Magic. They've been they've been on the lucky side so far. That's been a big part. I think teams mm. have the second worst three point shooting during that win streak they had in the entire league, and so you mm. know, that factor that yeah. factors in. But they definitely does. But yeah. they also didn't have Wendell Carter, so like you that that's a big force the other direction. I wholeheartedly agree with you on Denver. They're 19 and 11, but they do have the—their net rating isn't that great, but I think it'll get a lot better, and I'll, I don't want to get into it. I know you and you and Adam and other people have talked about it. Do you think the bench stuff is getting closer to solved, solved completely, or, like, where is where is that now?
1: I think it'll still be a mess. I think that they'll have to probably make a move around the deadline to figure out something. It's so tough because they're just trying to survive eight minutes a game. That's really what you're trying to do when you have Nikola Jokic, because by the end of a series, if you're into games— Five, six, seven. Nikola Jokic is playing forty to forty-four minutes a night, and you're only trying to get through like a handful of minutes. Um, but they're having trouble doing it. You know, I think they tried out the Aaron Gordon at the five lineup versus the Lakers because they were trying to match up with what the Lakers were doing with LeBron at the five, and it was disastrous. I do think that probably, like this, honestly, coming kind of comes down more to Malone, where Malone is too reactive, where he's like, "Well, they're doing this, so we'll do this and try and match them," versus going the other way and saying, "They're going small." let's go big they're going big let's go small Um, that that absence of versatility I think is going to hurt them it's not even versatility it's more of he's willing to do different things he's just not willing to necessarily counteract. he's not willing to counter program to what's being presented against him that said a lot of this is also if you really get into the numbers and you really dig into the film your only conclusion with the Nuggets bench is Bones Highland's got to play better it's not Bones Highland's got to go it's not Bones Highland's terrible it's not Bones Highland's isn't going to be a good player it's that Bones Highland needs to to play better and learn how to playing the pick and roll. like He needs to be taking daily classes with Ish Smith on how to run an NBA offense. If he didn't do that, then I think that they can actually get where they're going. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on two teams in this top tier uh, before we move on, and that's the Blazers and the Bucks. Um, Portland has obviously had a huge hit through their injury stuff. They were, number, they were one of the top teams when I looked at man games lost. That makes a lot of sense because you, without Dame for a significant portion and Anthony Simons, they managed to weather that pretty okay. The bigger thing here is the schedule. The Blazers have the least remaining home uh, away games of any team in the league by uh, several Um, they are home heavy the rest of the way and that's going to I think help them pretty considerably this is post-Christmas by the way notably um, as they're on the road versus uh, the Nuggets on Friday Um, so I look at the schedule, I look at the injuries, I look at the overall makeup, I look at where they're kind of at, where they're probably not as good as they were early in the season when it was like, hey, could this be like a top seed? They're settling into what we kind of thought they would be. ninth in offense, 24th in defense over at Cleaning the Glass. But I still think that the runway for this team in terms of winning percentage and being able to to find the wins that they're going to need, um, it, again, not same with MB. provided Dame can stay on the floor, I think their runway is very long for them to take off and have a great run to the end of the season.
0: I'm optimistic but a little bit less than you I have so I have them in the like I think they'll be better than they've been but not not top tier and part of that is because I'm still kind of like you I think their defense being 24th I think they're in that range like maybe they'll be a little bit better depending on who can play but having more Willard will definitely help I think they're they're better than they've been and getting theoretically at some point they're going to get Gary Payton the second back at sent they're saying next week but they've said next week for like a month now so we'll have to see there and that will shift the rotation I don't think Gary Payton is going to to solve everything that's wrong with them defensively, but he will help with certain things. And just like we talked about with a couple other teams, having more functional depth makes a, it, it greases the wheels a little bit. The problem for me with them is I know they've gotten more out of some of their support bigs than I expected, but I it, it's kind of in some ways paralleling Denver. Like, I don't fully believe in that. And then the other thing is like, if Nurkic misses some time, it's going to be a big problem. And it's funny because I don't think of Nurkic as this elite defender, but he is essential for them because they don't have another one. And yep. so that can be a real challenge challenge for teams. So many more teams and tiers to discuss with Matt Moore, but first a message from Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200 or even more. That's right, you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about, and that's why there is this awesome app. It's called Rocket Money, it's formerly known as Truebill that Tries to attack that problem. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place, and then it can cancel for you whatever you don't still want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you don't know about or, or that don't you don't know you were paying for, and you may even find out that you're being double charged for a subscription. To cancel any subscriptions you have that you don't want anymore, all you have to do is press cancel, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to RocketMoney.com/realgm. R-e-a-l-g-m. Seriously, it can save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash real GM. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash real GM. You said there was a second one you want to ask me about.
1: Yeah, the Bucks. I have a hard time with this one. So, okay, the schedule's been easy. They've had a really easy strength of schedule so far, um, and that's reflective across the board. They've been home heavy, Um, and the offense is awful. And so there's kind of this expectation that the way I've kind of been looking at them initially was, look, they're 15th in offense— the defense we can trust and rely in. Shouldn't the offense improve over the back half of the season? They've missed some guys with crispy and out for most of this start to the season. Um, you know Drew's been had a few games in and out, etc. Uh, Giannis has missed a few, had a couple of rest nights. So shouldn't the runway be longer on this? I'm kind of rethinking it the more I get into it because I kind of wonder if I'm doing the opposite of what I've done with Boston, which is I'm just like, look, Boston's going to regress. They're going to go the other way. This is not sustainable. And it's not that I don't think the Bucks defense is sustainable it's that i think i'm assuming too much of the bucks offense like what if this t- this offense just isn't good because they don't have the wing depth especially if they don't pull off the Crowder trade like if they're not able to pull off a, a trade for another wing they just i just don't know that they have enough wing depth to get through the rest of the season and into the playoffs with a really strong performance they're gonna be a problem no matter what because they have Giannis and he's amazing and every single night i'm just wow by watching him even when the numbers aren't as good as they have been in recent years but the offense used to be a juggernaut with the kind of spacing and shooting they put around Giannis, and it just has not been the last couple of years. I wonder if there might be diminishing returns, and if I have them too high, putting them in this runway spot.
0: I think you might have them a little too high, but I don't. I, I think that there's some there's some merit to the approach. And so the, you you teased one of the ones that I want to I want to talk about, which is I think Giannis can be meaningfully better offensively than he's been so far. I mean, the three ball not falling is its own thing, but also this is the worst Giannis has shot free throws in a few years, and the weakest he's ever shot from two in the last few years. And so both of those can improve. Of course, having Middleton, having Drew Holiday will help. And then another one, I don't think he's going to change everything for them, but Joe Ingles, just a capable passer. I think he's going to put players in a better chance to get good shots which can be useful for them also a hopefully you know we'll see we'll see when he actually plays a credible three-point shooter um he's been that basically his entire recent run and there's no reason to believe that nacl is gonna change that so i think that the talent will be better so like for example they're 15th now i don't think so it, it we kind of lose track of this but the bucks i think they were like a t- they've been a top eight offense like a bunch of the recent seasons like almost all of them that might be a little bit rich for this year's team especially with they're already logged 15th through 30 plus games but the idea that they could be 10th or so yeah totally buy it and maybe if they have some of these improvements they can get into the five to ten range for this stretch not for the full season so like i have them i have them in my um tier in my tier three which is basically like i don't think they're going to be significantly better but if i had to bet better or worse i would definitely Mm. bet better and part of the reason why is just their defense has been amazing you expect maybe a possible step back there just because sort of like boston's offense when you're this good the most likely outcome is just that you take a step back because that's the only way you could go
1: they're interesting dallas is the other one Mm -hmm. and this one this one's really fascinating i put dallas here from the perspective of they check the boxes from under the hood data and the things that I tend to value uh, in the regular season. What's interesting about that is like they're not doing the thing that I value the most, which is beating bad teams. No, it, it, this this stat continues to just absolutely blow my mind. Whenever anybody asks me about the Mavericks to explain them, this is the stat that I reference. The Dallas Mavericks this season are twelve and nine versus teams over five hundred. They're four and seven versus teams under. And That's,
0: they've all, they've also wow. blown so many leads. Many
1: leads. And so you know it's it's like they. They do not have a consistent winning profile. The problem, the reason that I have to put them in this clear for takeoff, it's simply unsustainable for them to struggle this much with the truly bad teams you can start four and seven. They're not going to finish under 500 versus bad teams with Luka Doncic. You're just, and I say that not based off of like logic. I've looked at this data. This is a data point I have really focused on for trying to understand the regular season. Teams that make the playoffs are never under 500 versus these teams. And even if you don't think the Mavs are going to make the playoffs, they're going to be in the conversation. Even if you think, well, they might wind up ninth and losing the play-in. Even those teams don't go under 500 to teams under 500. Like the Los Angeles Lakers are seven and two versus teams under 500 the Warriors as bad as they've been are six and three versus teams under 500 you have to find teams like San Antonio to find and Houston to find teams with this kind of record and so if we look at the overall numbers and we look at the overall performance they have a top five player obviously and Luka Doncic, MVP candidate and throughout the course of this season Dallas has been eighth in offense 14th in defense that combination with an ex- and if you say like well yeah but they'll play worse versus the good teams but they've already banked all of these wins that's my problem is like they've already gotten a bunch of wins they've stolen so many games if they were just for their kind of their profile statistically average versus teams like the magic without palo bencaro the pistons without kate cunningham the wizards without bradley beal then you're looking at a significantly better team that we're talking about as a serious threat in the division and perhaps to make some noise in the playoffs so i have to include them here even as i continue to go like no one's inspired by The roster, no one's inspired by the coaching, no one feels good about where this is, they have very few means for trade upgrades. Josh Green was a huge part of their influence and is out for a significant amount of time. I still have to have the Mavericks in this top top tier because I cannot see them doing anything but improving above the rest of the the league.
0: And we'll get a, a real clarification on that because here are the Mavericks, I'm not gonna do home road, their next six games. Rockets, Lakers, Knicks, Rockets, Spurs, Rockets. Yep. So if they if they can't handle if they can't handle the business there yes houston has been feistier over the stretch last if this stretch if they and of course the knicks have have been doing very yeah. well but that's you know like if they can't do it then then I'll, I'll start to freak out a little more than i am but i agree with you on the idea that they do it. one concern for me in terms of late game even though Maxi Kleba hasn't been great this year losing a player who Unlocks a specific scheme is yeah. always a big challenge because then you just can't do quite the same thing. In yeah. some ways, that might simplify things for kid, but probably not in a good way. You know, just the okay. Now you have to do the best you can with Javale and with Dwight Powell, and 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 you can't really get another moxie kleba Like there just aren't enough of them around to like yeah. pick somebody up for that stretch of time. So yeah, I'm. I, I think that's right. And Luca's been really durable over the course of his career. So like, there's the, there isn't. Yeah, him him also. I wonder what their offense would be like if you ever missed extended time, but especially without Jalen Brunson this year, that's going to be a challenge. One that I had trouble with, and I'm very interested for you, is the Toronto Raptors. So they're Mm. currently, even in net rating, 14 and 18. They had this five-game losing streak that snapped with Pascal Siakam dropping, I think it was 52 or 53 at MSG, or no, wherever that game was on Wednesday night.
1: So I've got them in tier two. Uh, which is nothing but blue skies, do I see? Uh, and it's this one's actually now uh, six teams, as I have added, or I'm sorry, seven. Now that I've added the box, I've dropped the box uh, mm-hmm. for for your, our discussion from uh, the tops. The top tier's five teams. This is the Clippers, the Hawks, the Wolves, the Suns, the Bulls, the Bucks, and the Raptors. Um, so here here is the the kind of crux of it, which is they've had a lot of injury issues. They've either been without Van Vliet or Siakam, or OG. They've had very few games where all of those guys have played together. Scotty Barnes has had an absolutely atrocious start to the year, but more importantly with these starters, if you have a team that's going to play their starters 40 minutes a night and the starters aren't there, well, yeah, you're probably not going to win a lot of games because that's their whole thing. The Raptors as a whole are unsustainable. Uh, The Raptors as a whole I don't think are very good. I think we saw that in the playoffs last year. They're not an elite team. Pascal Siakam has been one of the healthy healthy Siakam's been one of the 10 best players I've seen this season like that's how he's, good been, he's been so good he's been so good um, Fred Van Vliet's having I think a little bit of a rough one and Barnes has really struggled OG is having a defensive player of the year caliber season uh, the offense comes and goes um, I don't know how they improve, but I also just don't think necessarily they're as bad as kind of the record indicates. And the numbers kind of back that up. If we just kind of, I'm trying very hard not to get caught into how these teams feel because the Raptors by point differential, their win dif- their Pythagorean win differential is minus two. It's 29th in the league. They should be two wins better than they currently are at 14 and 18. So you're talking about 16 and 16 there, right? Like that, that's where they should be is 16 and 16. this season there are 500 close club. Um they will probably go on a stretch where they inexplicably win a bunch because they are well coached and they are they do have talent. I don't see them adding a major piece that makes them into a contender. I don't see them being able to find the trade assets to even improve the bench so that it's a little bit more stable. Uh, I think there is a concern that Nick Nurse is wearing a little bit thin there. That's been a talking point amongst Raptors Twitter a little bit this season. But if I just look at like, okay, are they going to get worse? Are they going to get better? Are they going to stay the same? They've underperformed so far. I don't see reasons for them to get worse. I think they can only improve even if it's just like a little bit.
0: I agree with that. And I, I, think, the, I think they can get better slightly. I think they can get modestly better on offense and then meaningfully better on defense just because they when they have it, they have a lot of defensive talent. And that that's enough to, to really move the needle. The question, and i've been saying this for like three years now and raptors fans have been pissed at me for most of those three years and that's fine is ownership masai ujiri are they comfortable with what this team is even at full strength like the idea that they're competitive and i think one idea is like they're one they're like siakam maybe take yeah i mean if he's just this guy that could be enough for it or you do what they did in the quad trade and you were close and then you acquire you acquire somebody who can push you over or do you just are you just kind of sick of that like and especially if, if you know nurse's stuff is wearing a little thin do you want to go in a different direction but the problem for the raptors and this is something that i've brought up during this time is it's like i think it's an uninspiring place to be overall yeah but, but they're too good to tank they really so,
1: think that they seem to think that they're just like well if we just hit the right kind of if we get the right opportunity or if like a star falls in their lap then they can i mean you know and i understand that because you're like well that's what they did with Kawhi, right Is like they just hung around and i'm like yeah but you traded to marta rosen for Kawhi, you know like i, I right. don't and, they,
0: and, a, and a lottery pick, and they haven't yeah. had a whole lot of those since then. I mean, th- I felt th- I thought they got a heist in the Kawhi Leonard they did. deal, even with him there for one year. But the the other big problem is there aren't that many Kawhis that ever become available.
1: Yeah, and like if they do there's usually a lot of pressure to send those guys to the right place, and teams usually cave to that. The Spurs didn't. Spurs were like, we'll take the best deal, and the Raptors were like, we're willing to go ahead and make a one-year run at it. I, that circumstance, I just don't think, is replicable. And you can, like, look, do I think that all of these guys are quality starters on playoff teams? I do. I really do. Do I think Scotty Barnes is a franchise superstar? I don't. I didn't think it last year. Um, do I think Siakam can be the number one on a championship team? I don't. Do I think OG can be the number three on a championship team? team i don't there's a lot of teams i think would love to have fred van vliet i think a lot of teams would benefit from having fred van vliet but like i don't know how much better he could make this group they're all very much comprised of guys that will make other teams so much better but they don't necessarily make each other good enough to be a real serious contender um so i
0: agree with all that by the way um maybe some specific player stuff but we don't need to get down into those weeds we don't have enough time online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to eSports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code clns five zero. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, again, make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards at BetOnline, where the game starts. One team that I had in Tier 2 that I don't recall you mentioning, and it's on the idea of whether you want to call it a dead cat bounce or it can't be worse, is the Spurs, because Uh. they've been just so unbelievably terrible, especially on defense, and it's it's just hard to imagine. I mean, they and they've had player absences, and also they don't they're, like their offense is going to suck. Like they just don't have good enough offensive players to make it work. And so again, it's kind of similar to Charlotte, where it's like they're still going to be bad. Like I think uh, the Spurs are one of the four worst teams in the league, unless they like somehow acquired somebody unreasonable. They they're going to be there, but the idea that they're like number thirty by a significant margin, like that's jarring for me.
1: Um. So I have them in likely to fade a bit. I think they're gonna get a little bit worse. And you say, How? And the, the reasoning is cause they started five and five. Oh right? god, that's true. Like I mean they, they, started- they
0: just had one of the worst like fifteen to twenty game yep. stretches we've seen in the last day. They,
1: they they did. They did, but they started five and five. So they're five uh and fifteen since that run. They are twenty seventh in offense, thirtieth in defense. The numbers say that you're right, that they should basically be um oh, I'm sorry, the numbers say that the opposite. They say this should be two point six games. Oh, yeah. work.
0: they're they're so, overperforming their yeah. point differential. It's hilarious, yeah. but that's because they've had some spectacular demolitions.
1: And, and they had well, and they and yeah, that's that's a lot of it, right? Um, I also just kind of think that it eventually, eventually, there will be decisions like you know what, Devin Vassell's probably has a sore hamstring, so he's probably gone. Keldon Johnson, you know that ankle is just really, been really bothering, and we're hoping to get him back soon. Um,
0: well and even the, just like move some of the capable pros, it, it, you know, like yeah. that, that sort of thing. Like, oh like yeah, every, the, the gravity I, the gravity in these circumstances. The problem is I just don't think there's that there's there's that much that's nailed down that's actually good because
1: yeah. they're like just, there's, they're there's, terrible. There's, yeah, exactly. Like how does trading Jakob Pertl take you make you worse from being the worst point differential team in the league? Um, oh by the I way just, his the
0: his rim protection stats falling off a cliff this year is one of the yeah. bigger mysteries that i'm waiting I, I the only answer is just to wait and see but like he's been one of the best rim protectors the last three four years and it's just abysmal this year
1: the other thing is just simply that the spurs are the one team the singular team that you can recognize that isn't trying to improve i think the rockets would like to look better by season's end if nothing else then steven silas would because he wants to keep his job um and rafael stone potentially too i I think the Pistons are in a similar kind of boat where they'd like to develop, even if they they want to be bad. You want to see Killian Hayes develop into a good guy. You want to see Jaden Ivey. You want to see – like you want the players to continue to develop. The the Pistons are closer to what OKC was last year rather than what the Spurs are now, which is the Spurs – And they have been transparent from it from day one. Yes, we are doing this. And so in those situations, I don't really see a scenario where the players are going to invest themselves when the team has made it clear what their intentions are to where like that's the problem is you can compete. And we saw this. They were tough early in the season. But you get into January and after the All-Star break and everybody knows the deal and they're just punching clock and that's where I think the Spurs are probably headed one of the
0: hardest teams for me to place was the Indiana Pacers and mm. the Pacers the defense has actually been a little bit better than I thought their 20th 17th offense but some of that is due to that really cold stretch they had Tyrese Halliburton missed a lot of that and for for them some of it is personnel like I just have this lingering question of what in the world is happening with Miles Turner but then the other part of it is I, I actually think things might stay similar because I believe in the talent they have and getting to where you know like, as long as Matherin and, and all these other guys can stay healthy and it's it's not like they're loaded, but I think they do well with the guys they have. I think Carlisle is a good coach, but also they they have all this cap space. They have this. They have. They've been swirling in trades for over. So it's just like I, I have them in ba- in the basically even, but I feel like you could argue them in almost any tier.
1: Yeah, so defensively, you know, based off of uh, various statistics, they're e- they're either fourth luckiest or they're actually like top. Mm, let's see here, top fifteen to twenty, top twenty, um, unluckiest, depending on which metric you're kind of using. Uh, the stats that I've got, based off of what they're expected to shoot, I, I think in terms of the opponent yep. shooting, I, I kind of look at Indiana and I think that they're probably. I think the way I kind of look at it is like, look, they're a a 500 team right now hanging in the playoff race. Tyrese is getting a lot of buzz for most improved despite Wally Zerbiak's comments I did a deep dive on Hallie and like Hallie is the closest thing I've seen to Steve Nash in a long time like he is such an intuitive he has so many things that he's going to add to his game over the next couple of years as a passer I I legitimately think that we're going to see him like averaging 12 13 14 assists like it's it's incredible how many things that one he's already able to do and the willingness to combined with how many times I I see stuff where I'm like oh you don't have this in your arsenal yet like he doesn't have the Nash loop under the basket turnaround he has like little stuff like that that I think he's going to add to his game and become even better um, but this season I I, I just don't look at them and go like this is a 500 team. I think that we get really enamored by the individual components and not like what does the overall strength of that look like? Because I think like for me, I think Buddy Hield's played really well last night. Like he had he had a def- he had two defensive plays late in the clutch last night versus the Celtics, and I was like, don't know I've ever seen Buddy Hield make two defensive clutch plays ever. Um, Miles Turner is Miles Turner. I've always been high on him. We'll continue to be high on him. Love what he brings to the table. Uh, Hallie's great. Mathurin's great etc. But like, I don't know that that combination of players is like, oh, yeah, they're going to be good enough. I think that they'll lose steam. I think there's diminishing returns. So I have them in likely to fade a bit. I don't think they're going to be they're going to fall off a cliff. I just think that you're going to what you're going to we're going to wake up in March and be like, yeah, you know, the Pacers are on pace for 37 wins. They're probably going to be in the play-in and losing the first round. That's kind of where I've gotten to with Indiana.
0: The other possibility for them and we saw this a little bit with the time that Halbert missed is that these ensemble teams Teams, generally speaking, when players miss time, which inevitably happens in an NBA season, then they crumble a little bit, and that gets them to the place that they were going to be. You know, the idea that yeah. the Pacers at full strength are maybe a little bit above 500, but how often are they going to actually be there? There's a parallel here, obviously, with the Toronto Raptors who we just discussed. And so, I don't, you don't want it to happen to anybody. It will probably happen to somebody. That's just the way these things work.
1: What tier is closest to zero for you?
0: You mean closest to even, like like that they're going to stay the same? Yeah. So I I, I kind of broke. It into two but I i mean if I wanted to say the teams that are the, the most there like one of them for me is Oklahoma City mm. because yeah they might sell off some stuff but like they don't really a lot of the players they have I think they want to keep and they're not quite close enough to the play and I think they're going to try for longer this year in part because of how great Shea has been yeah. and then another team there the team that is most distinctly they are what they are even with their recent losing streak is the Wizards mm. just because I think we know what Ted Leonsis wants I think there was even some stuff uh, written recently that they you know confirming that that's what they intend to do and generally speaking like the 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 thing that could shift things the most for the wizards would be a more clear identification from some of their pending free agents that they don't want to stay but i don't think we're going to get that i think if that was going to happen it would have already happened sort of like miles turner in that respect
1: interesting so uh, this may have been reported you kind of alluded to it. i just haven't seen it um one thing i heard this week was that the wizards essentially are are really slow playing c- trade calls yeah because they've, that, that's they've...
0: basically what it was yeah somebody yeah i i might have been Jake Fisher somebody wrote about it yesterday
1: yeah and so some of that i think comes like the the talk was like they want to they want to hear they want to see that way everybody looks like together right mm-hmm. I have them surprisingly. Again, we have disagreements here, which is great. I have them in the fall is going to kill you, Butch. And the reason I
0: That's what should happen with them if this were a if that if they were run the way I ran a team, that's what would happen.
1: So there's two things here. Um, You're right about Leontes and his intentions. What you're what I think might get lost here is there is a part where once the belief internally goes in the locker room ah ownership can say like nope we're gonna keep pushing guys and the players will be like okay we'll just keep collecting checks because i saw this team and look they're on a west coast road trip it's a rough stretch they were without beal and porzingis i totally get it the vibe i get from not only seeing them in person but watching them night to night is that this is a team that they know the deal this is one of the problems with having too many vets right will barton monte morris um, you know, even some of the younger guys, I think, get it. They miss Rui a ton. I think Rui's been great for them this season and they need to get him back. But like Beale has this. This is one of the things is I think one of the reasons why Beale misses a lot of games is he gets hurt and that's valid and that's reasonable. But I think the return time is because Beale's like, I'm not going to push to get back. We're not trying to save anything here. There's nothing to salvage. And so it, once that internal belief goes, the team will get worse regardless of what the intentions are of the, of the front office and ownership. And so for me, it's like they're going to get to – a. and the other, here's the other thing is when I heard, you know, oh no, no, no. Like we want to see what this looks like healthy. That is the same as when they're like this coach is absolutely not getting fired. We have full faith and confidence in this coach. It's a public statement that indicates that you know what's coming anyway. And so I think that the Wizards are likely um, – e- even if they don't sell off the assets – I think this team's going to go down the drain the second half of the season because I don't see them believing in themselves at all.
0: There are a bunch of Eastern Conference teams. I think you're really right on that, that it, it feels like the bottom is going to fall out for a couple of them, but figuring out who it's going, like, which teams, and, and does it happen with a couple teams first so then somebody, like, it would have, but they're like, crap, we're in the play-in or maybe in yeah. the playoff mix. Like, that could happen too. I think that's going to, like, the Hawks are maybe one of the weirder teams for that. Yeah. I want to briefly go through, I have this group where it's like, you're really good, but, are, but you might not, like, this might be a little bit too too Rosie and so for me that group is like the celtics the calves the pelicans like and i have the suns here though player availability could swing the other way for them and where it's like yeah you're good but i mean the celtics have a plus seven differential like that that's a lot to ask of anybody the the pels yeah. and all these so it's like i don't think i think they're we'll talk about them a lot in kind of like the higher tiers conversations but in this sort of thing i think we can move on more quickly from
1: them, unless you have a disagreement yeah well i have i have a little bit so um they are what they are for me that that group is the nets the heat the Jazz, the Kings, the Cavaliers, the Pelicans, who you mentioned, the Warriors, and the Pistons, and those are all different teams of different quality. Um, I believe in the Cavs. I believe in the Pelicans. I believe in the Kings. I think those three, and I believe in the Nets. Um, the Nets just took over the number one spot in my power ratings, which wow. really stresses me out. I'm just keep looking at it and being like, no, um, because of my lack of faith in this team's internal chemistry, but they've been really good. Uh, they've been so I,
0: good. Like the last three four weeks, they've been fantastic.
1: The Cavs have started off. House on fire offensively, cooled off dramatically, and then kind of stabilized. I watched them last night on NBA Bet Stream. I know you do those streams with Danny as well, or your own stream. I'm on the Bet Streams, and like I just, they've got so much talent. They've got so many guys that can score. Like Jared Allen's like working in the post. Like they have so many weapons. And I think that their their offense will will stabilize and maintain a top ten rating, and I think they're going to be a, a definitely top five defense. So I believe in them. Um, I actually believe in the Pelicans. I think that th- what I've said about the Pelicans from a couple weeks back and I continue to believe this is true. The reason I I I, I them was I was like they're going to figure out a lot of stuff. And then they figured it out. And so now I think that this, this is where they are. They're probably they're going to lose. They're not going to be like a dominant t- squad, but they're going to lose a little bit. My likely to fade a bit team which is kind of the rosy one that you were mentioning, Spurs, Pacers, Thunder, Knicks, just because I'm like I don't know the, that the defense is sustainable.
0: Yeah. It's, I just, been, it's been re- it, during this stretch it's been pretty
1: ridiculously good. Um Boston, I've been calling for regression for weeks. I was like, this team should not be this much of a favorite to win the title. Tatum should not be this much of a favorite to win MVP. The Celtics are good; they're going to be there in the end. I have a high level of confidence they'll probably make an Eastern Conference final, um, but they're not like an all-time, all-time, like all-world great team. And we've kind of seen we've seen probably too much regression in the last couple of games. They're not as bad as they've looked in the last two weeks. They're not as good as they looked in the first month. Um, the Grizzlies, I got to get your th- your thoughts on Danny because like I can't figure this one out. They're now top five in, in half-court defense. Which is really impressive and shows what Jaron Jackson does. They're still so dependent on half court, on transition offense. Jaw is still so shaky when you throw different coverages at him in terms of the pull up jumper. The Desmond Bain thing, he'll come back and that matters a ton. For whatever reason, I just can't believe that the Grizzlies are this good in terms of win record and point differential. I can't find myself buying into that this team is this good, despite my kind of Grizzlies lean in most things. What are your thoughts on the Grizzlies?
0: I think they're going to be a really good regular season team. Extremely well coached. They have a lot of talent. Um, interesting note on the half court thing. I, you probably know this, but Memphis has not had an above average half court first shot offensive rating when John Morant's been on the floor any of his years ever in, in the league, yep. which is just yep. so bizarre. Yeah. But they, as you said, they're so good in all these other elements that they they do it differently, and John ja deserves a lot of credit for that when he's on the floor. I believe in their defense. I think that Jaron has taken steps forward. I think they have a lot of overall team execution that that. And remember, like Zaire Williams, a number of these other players that can kind of help help things work. Like they they've they have some absences that they've filled pretty well, but then they can bring in other people to do that. So I think they're going to be a damn good regular season team, and that's really the threshold that I was using for this. I'm still not all the way there. I think in some ways sort of like what happened to the Celtics in the finals like their offensive issues will come home to roost at some point during a playoff series but I don't know when that's going to be but I still think they're
1: very good I have the Warriors as you are what you are just because I'm like well I thought they were going to improve but then Steph got hurt so now I don't know um, I, I I want the Warriors to get back on track I have a lot of futures invested in them and then Steph but where, where do you have the Warriors?
0: I have them in I think they'll overall be better from here but not a transformation so it's kind of tier okay. 3 for me where it's like yeah you you expect it to I mean hopefully they'll have Curry for a larger portion of the remainder season though he's gonna be out for probably another couple weeks like we don't know the exact timeline yet and the other thing is generally speaking there are exceptions when a bench isn't working you figure out things and I think the Warriors have done some of that but those things only really come into play when Curry is actually healthy so I I think that the Warriors are going to run into problems with player availability and I mean they're 22nd in defense now that seems a little bit a little bit weaker like that significantly weaker than I would expect if they're actually healthy so I think there's some improvement that can happen there and they've changed some of the rotational stuff that can work out um are there any other teams in the like the fall kill you that we haven't discussed because I know we're getting close on time
1: the Los Angeles Lakers um
0: I don't know what in the like yeah there are two things with them one is like I don't know what they should do and I'm sure what they will do is not what I think they should do because they're the Lakers and that's just the way this works
1: so like Spurs Pacers are in the tier above them along with the Thunder they fall in this category with the Lakers um, and the Hornets and the Wizards where to me it's not about like something's going to happen for you to get really bad it's diminishing returns it's just like you get a little bit worse and a little more rundown and a little bit more downhearted every single week that you just you don't have the momentum to carry you forward and without that you're not able to sustain and so like without AD uh, because here's the problem is like AD is going to miss this month then we have to see like does LeBron miss a significant chunk because he's had to Miss time too. He's just that's where he's at in his career. Um and so and then you look at the rest of the roster and and they continue to slow play it. Uh, this is a big one where it's like, well, yeah. Look, if they if they go tomorrow and they trade Westbrook on two picks and they get Miles Turner and Buddy Healed, if the Pacers decide to, to pivot on the season, then sure, my estimation of them will change. That can be an injection. But right now, I don't see a path of injection for them to get their trajectory shifted so much as to down, uh, to counteract as to, to...
0: make it worth it. Like that's yeah. that's the part for me. And and they're, the and if this team doesn't significantly change, their their best case scenario when everybody's healthy is that they're pretty good. And the problem with being a top heavy team that isn't that deep that isn't that good is that anything that brings you off that takes you down enough that you can't really do much and that's what i think is a big problem for the lakers
1: there's a gravity problem across the regular season and grab and the gravity isn't as as intense in the first two months that we've seen as it is in the next three months and then you get into the final two months and it's basically just like you're either careening or you're kind of drifting. Um, yeah. But this next three months, this stretch of between the end of December, Christmas, really, um, and the All Star break, it's really two months. This stretch of play is when a lot of teams have a hard time because you've been doing it for a while. It's no longer fresh. The schedule gets tougher. You're banged up. This is like this is when the toughest teams have to rise to the top. And if you're not made of that, if you don't have the talent to counteract that as part of it, it's not about your will. It's about your talent. If you don't have enough, it's hard to stay. Above the gravitational pull. And I think that's going to be the problem for the Lakers.
0: It's a fantastic point and we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me, Danny.
0: Thanks again to Matt Moore for taking the time to come on. You can read his work at the Action Network. You can see him on the bet streams on NBA League Pass. They do a great job. You can also listen to him on the Action Network podcasts, Locked on NBA, Locked on Nuggets. And follow him, if you don't already, on Twitter at HP Basketball. Love having him on. Find them some of the most clarifying conversations that I have in basketball. And that's part of why I think we both really enjoy the process. And going through where things are going from this point is especially compelling, considering we're still far enough from the deadline that I think teams are making decisions. So things aren't necessarily clear yet. So I really enjoyed that part of it as well for this specific one. If you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. You can subscribe, download every episode, whatever podcast player you use, we really appreciate it. And Real GM Radio is never going to come out on a specific day of the week. That's just not the way it works. And so if you put it in your podcast player, it'll just pop in whenever, you, whenever I put out a new episode, my availability, guest availability, it all gets a little bit thorny, in a good way, mostly. And you can also help other people find the show. So that's typically leaving a rating and review in the podcast player if you're choosing, Apple, Spotify really wherever and word of mouth telling the other people the show is good that can be social media that can be just telling people a specific episode the show in general really do appreciate that but the single most important thing you can do to help real gm radio and any other show that has them is to check out our sponsors for this episode that is rocket money really happy to have them on board go to rocketmoneycom realgm slash real gm And again, this is, there isn't a promo code. It's just they want you to check it out. And if you use that slash real GM, it tells them that you came from us, which we really appreciate. And then betonline.ag. There you do have a discount code. CLNS50 gets you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Really do appreciate that and hopefully you get a benefit as well. You can also check out my other work. Nate and I going strong, dunked on, dunked on Prime. We just did Top Prospects which was a two-part podcast. We added John Hollinger this year which was really fun. It made the conversation different and some of the conversations in particular players that we diverged on I thought was really compelling and clarifying. Then Nate and I also do the NBA Strategy Stream which is on League Pass. We're off right now until the New Year. New Year's Day is currently our next scheduled broadcast, but you can still check this out. And if and and if you were doing a team that you live near, then you have to watch it a couple days later. But you can do that. Or one of our you know better broadcasts, you can check that out. Like a big fourth quarter or something in that realm as well. Also, written work at the Athletic. I have two or three pieces that I'm working on right now. I don't know when they're going to be published. I was inspired by recent events to do a couple different things, and so hopefully those. Can get into editorial, but in the holiday season, I'm not going to push them on timing and they're not going to push me. So I appreciate that. If you have any feedback, good or bad or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. I don't promise to reply, though I try to. And that is all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Have a happy holidays. Take care and make it a great day.